Welcome to the Grow Your Practice podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Chad Madden, owner of Madden Physical Therapy and Breakthrough. Join me each week as we dive into the best practices, systems, principles, tips, and tricks to help you grow your private practice. Welcome, everybody, and we're going to get rolling here. Um, in this, in our time together here today, online training, we're going to talk about how to get more patient visits from email marketing. And when done the right way, this can do a lot for your practice. And we're going to talk about how you can do this uh, specifically, how you can get some quick wins here during the holiday season. So quick poll coming up on your screen. Are you currently emailing your patient list? And let's say within the last 90 days, have you emailed your patient list one time? So you can see the options there. No, sometimes sporadically, yes, once or twice a month, and yes, consistently, and I have a long-term strategy. So consistently would be um, once a month or more, and you're planned out for you know a quarter or annually, at, um, annually there. So you can click one of those, the one that best describes you. Currently emailing your, your patient list. There are four options. Andrea, I cannot see the results. So, uh, oh, now I can. Awesome. So, uh, 35% yes, once or twice a month, 26% no, followed by 22% consistently, and I have a long term strategy, and 17% sporadically. So, pretty even distribution there. Awesome. Thank you for answering. Uh, so when we're thinking about your patient list and also mastering communication with that patient list, and it really produces two things. Um, one is word of mouth referrals, which we all rely on, right? So and it was recently at a ther uh, physical therapy association event, spoke there and in Colorado and many of the practices, practice owners that I was talking with, you know, still gave the, you know, how are you growing your practice? And they would say something along the lines of high quality of care and word of mouth referrals. So when we master using our patient list, yes, we get more word of mouth referrals. In the chat, do you know the second thing that mastering your patient list and communication to that patient list, do you know the other thing that it produces? So one is word of mouth referrals. What's the other thing that it produces? feel like I should give a book away or something like that right now. Anybody know? I'll do a countdown. Three, two, one. I don't see anything in the chat. Um, the other thing that it produces is past patient reactivations, right? So we can get two things from our patient list. Uh, one is reactivations. Two is word of mouth referrals. And yes, Corey, you're exactly right. You can also produce goodwill with that. Also, uh, more difficult to measure than the, the other two, but yes. So at level one, the most basic level, this is like the unconscious incompetent. We don't know what we don't know yet. We don't have a patient list, right? And yes, I've talked with plenty of owners uh, over the last 12 months. What are you doing for your past patient list? And, you know, they were talking about doing something uh progressive with their marketing, that they wanted to create a predictable flow, consistent flow of new patients coming in. And my first question would be, you know, do you have a patient list? And too many times the, the owner said, no, you know, it's in our EMR. We've never really converted it over to something that we can email consistently. So that's the most basic level. Next level up, which would be conscious incompetence, right? So knowing that there are some things that we don't know now, we're aware of our uh, dysfunction would be we have a patient list, but we don't know what to do with it, or we just use it sporadically. Also very common, um, as indicated by the, the survey here. Next level up is conscious competence. That's where we can do it. Um, typically, the owner here will say, you know, I'm doing this. Um, I, we've been doing it for a year or two now, but it feels like every single month I'm reinventing the wheel, right? So you're driving reactivations and word of mouth referrals through your patient list, but it feels like a lot of work. And then finally, we have unconscious competence, which is we're successfully driving uh, our patient list. 
to drive, uh, we're successfully using our patient list to drive reactivations and referrals, word of mouth referrals. Plus, we have a long-term strategic viewpoint for growing our patient list and leveraging it with planned campaigns. And in particular, when we meet somebody, when we talk with an owner who's at level four, they'll know, for example, the slow season, right? So for us, our typical slow season is between Thanksgiving and the end of the year. And we will leverage specifically our patient list right now when others are competing, you know, with online marketing or offline marketing right now, the, you know, Kohl's, Target, every, they just ramp up um, at this time of year. So it's tough to compete there. And also within the physician office, which we don't rely on much anymore anyhow, but uh, very difficult to compete there and stand out um, with the influx that the physician offices get. So we'll go to our patient list. So in our time together here today, we'll talk about the state of healthcare. Um, we're also going to touch on uh, your patient list and why email matters, why you should be doing this, paying more attention to it, and ultimately mastering the use of your patient list because it's the number one asset in your business. We're going to talk about major pitfalls, top mistakes that owners make, and how you can avoid them. We'll cover uh, how to improve your email usage uh, to get more patients and drive consistency consistent visit flow within your practice. And then we'll share some examples and the three major categories of emails that are working today with some data. And we'll open this up for a Q&A. First thing we're going to look at is the U.S. healthcare system. So again, just presented on this uh, in Colorado and multiple other places, but the U.S. healthcare system, if you pull the 2021 um, numbers from cms.gov, we rank first in the world in cost per person. It's not even close, by the way. We're far, far ahead of any other country in the world. But we rank last in results amongst uh, industrialized or the other term that they'll use is wealthy nations, right? So we, within the last, uh, well, since 2020, 2019, last two years, life expectancy in the U.S. decreased two years. Yes, some of that is pandemic. The other thing is it's actually an ongoing trend, right? So we're living shorter. We have higher heart disease and um, you know cancer rates, mortality rates, and every other country. It's unreal that's industrialized or wealthy. So spending a lot of money, not very effective. 2021, we, as a country, we spent $4.3 trillion or one in every $5. Uh, spent in the country were spent on healthcare. That comes out to $12,956 per person. If you read that CMS.gov report, the, the surprising thing is that even though the number has gone up for the 332 million people living here, the utilization has gone down, which is insane. And so again, one in $5 of the US GDP going towards healthcare, that number is can, uh, expected to continue to grow. If you go back to like 1980, um, that number was uh, 7%. It's now 19.7%. So where's the money going? Last year, 2021, we spent over $600 billion on retail prescription medications. 25% of that, if you follow the research published in JAMA, 25% of that is deemed unnecessary, which is about $150 billion. So optometry, PT, OT, speech, chiropractic care, and podiatry combined, which CMS.gov deems uh, conservative care, it's 3% of the $4.3 trillion or $117 billion. So we're wasting more money on unnecessary medications than conservative treatment combined. Does anybody know what the, I don't have PT alone in 2021, but physical therapy plus occupational therapy was in 2021. Any guesses? can guess in the chat, $34 billion. So we're wasting nearly as much, five times as much money as was spent in PT and OT, wasting that on medication that is uh, deemed unnecessary, kind of crazy. So US healthcare system is backwards. We all know this, you know, you no doubt feel the impact of this with unnecessary medications, injections, surgery, diagnostic imaging, the majority of the money, 
of every healthcare dollar is spent in those four areas via hospital or healthcare system. Average one night, uh, one night stay of a hospital stay in 2021 was $11,300. Um, pretty, pretty intense. So, you know, what does that mean for you and I as conservative care providers? We're facing declining reimbursements. Just, I believe, uh, the 4.4% decrease in the physician fee schedule for 2023 just went through. So we're constantly facing declining reimbursements. We have a more challenging referral environment. You know, in January of 2018, there was that Journal of General Internal Medicine uh, study published on physician referral to physical therapy from 2003 to 2014. There was a 53.6% decline in physician referrals to PT specifically for back pain. At the same time, there was a a an, an inverse relationship with uh, physician referral to specialist. So we know what happened there in our our postmortem analysis, where physicians were being bought by the hospital and healthcare systems and being forced to change the referral patterns from physical therapy and conservative care over to the specialist, which was significantly more revenue for the hospital and healthcare system. So intense competition. We face a largely unaware community, uh, unaware community that's uneducated what our services can do for them. And, you know, in the end, that leaves many of us as practice owners feeling undervalued or uh, disrespected within our communities. And, you know, our goal here and our purpose at Breakthrough is to help flip the, the healthcare pyramid and ultimately build a more affordable uh, more effective healthcare system, which is represented on the right side. This is not a new agenda. This has been around for years um, and in many different forms. And I would say specifically over my entire practice career for the for the last 22 plus years or so, what we have is over on the left, conservative care is this afterthought. Um, and over on the right, we want conservative care to be the foundation for musculoskeletal, neurological health, um, et cetera, for the healthcare system. Here at Breakthrough, at, which is, you know, where this, this online training specifically in the session uh, comes from Breakthrough. I'm a co-founder here with uh, Carl Mattiola. You can see um, Carl's picture there at the top. Um, to this point, we've worked with thousands of private practice owners, again, all 50 states, um, 11 countries internationally. Um, last year alone in 2021, we sent over 8 million emails on behalf of the owners that we work with. And again, we'll be sharing a lot of that data with you as well. So why does your patient list matter? In a survey a few years ago of practice owners, 93% of practices are losing money on their patient list. So even those that are emailing their list consistently, um, th they're essentially wasting effort or there's some process that they can improve upon to get a better result. However, most of us either don't have a list or are emailing sporadically or inconsistently. And we really can't afford to leave money on the table. Again, with the declining reimbursements, our expenses are going up. You know, many of us are feeling the heat here, especially at the end of the year with rising cost of employment. Um, I, you know, we get a story every single day of a new grad asking for 80, 90, 100K a year coming out of school when they have you know no track record at all. Um, so employment expenses are going up for all of us. Space expense, equipment expense, all those things are going up for us. The, the cost for us to provide care is increasing at the same time there is downward pressure on our reimbursement or income. So in the end, and a few years ago, we did a study on this with uh, Greg Crabtree, who wrote a book called uh, Simple Numbers, Big Profits. And then uh, Greg had a, he's a CPA and he had a ton of experience within service-based businesses. He said, anytime you're running below a 10% margin, your business is literally one minor disaster away from, from closing its doors forever. So 10% margin, average PT margin uh, in 2020 was 14%. So very low. And, uh, you know, many of us are skating on thin ice. So we can't afford to ignore this information and what we're doing with our patient list. 
if you go through an example, uh, and I've done this with many owners one-on-one, -on -one, but you know, if we start somebody and they have inconsistent email, and let's say they have a single office that's doing 80 visits a week, maybe it's themselves and a, a PTA. So, you know, they might have some capacity to treat more. They have a low, relatively low attendance rate, not a lot of buy-in. Annual revenue on average, if we use the national average, would be roughly $332,000. If we just help them put in an email tool with a monthly email blast, an email communication, um, you know, we're, we're, we expect to see a bump there. And it doesn't have to be much of a bump, but it makes a really big deal in the annual revenue. In this case, in this example, it was, uh, you know, over $60,000, nearly $70,000 a year. If we have consistent email campaigns and we're using email tool, the email tool and monthly communication in the right way, we can easily expect a 25% increase in patient visits, attendance rate to go up and patient buy-in to go up because of the education and indoctrination that we're sharing with our patient list. And, uh, you know, in this case, the resulting revenue was a 50% bump from the 332 up to the, the 494. And for us, that's a really big deal because margin means we get to keep our doors open for another day and continue to leave an impact uh, within our communities. So top five reasons to use email marketing. Number one, people use email. Uh, so where people are in the, the media that they're using to communicate with, what our patients are using, that's where we should be using too. The second thing is it's cost effective. Realize this, that, uh, you know, a, and this is what I talked about in Colorado, but somebody who's highly aware, who already knows, likes, and trusts you, you've already done the hard part there. You've already provided the high quality of care to them. They likely know everything um, that they need to know about you personally, you know, on a personal and professional level, same thing. You know, you likely know how many kids they have, where they grew up where they work, all that other fun stuff, right? So the relationship is there. It's way easier to convert somebody who's on your past patient list than it is to go out to a completely cold, unaware market and start conversions there, right? Not that you shouldn't be doing that, but at least touch base with your, your past patients before you go um, pour 100% of your effort into those, those other areas. So it's cost-effective. It's the most cost-effective marketing that you can do. And especially when we're talking about cost of plan of care, it builds your brand when you do it the right way. It, it helps build something that we call authority, celebrity, and expertise between you and your, your list. In, in, increase revenue instantly. Um, you know, we've seen owners uh, offer cash pay services with email to their patient list and reactivate patients that way. We've done that ourselves here and you know, the inst it's an instant revenue driver. It also helps you stand out. So in my area, and here's something to think about, we have two large corporate players, um, including the largest rehab company in the country is literally headquartered 13 miles from here. They combine, they have over 40 offices that we compete with directly here in central Pennsylvania. At the same time, they don't own our email list, right? We own that. It's unique. When I go and we advertise on Facebook or TikTok or Instagram and in the newspaper and all the other places that we're advertising, mailbox, TV, radio, et cetera, um, they can easily compete with us there when they know what they're doing, right? They can compete with us there. However, they can never compete with us within our email list because they, they don't own it. It's, we have a monopoly there unless somebody on our email list also received physical therapy received care and they're on a lit, somebody else's list as well, but they don't have our unique blend of, uh, of email, um, the email list. So realize it's a way for you, regardless of the competitors in your area, regardless of the hospital or healthcare system, it's an easy way for you to stand out. Some common pitfalls to avoid um, using emails in ways that people aren't using it. And this really goes along with uh, sending out a PDF of your newsletter right? You would, if I sent you, if I sent you an email that said, you know, breakthrough newsletter, volume 10, issue 11, you would never open that up and read it, right? Very, very low chance uh, shows up in testing time and time again. It's just not the way that email is used, right? So, and when we have a patient newsletter, which we do, 
and we complement it with an email, which we do, you want to take out one specific section and your email should only be focused on that. That's the right way to do it. And again, data proves this out over and over again. So use email in the way that your patients are using it. Second big mistake here is emails that focus only on the practice or only on you as the, the clinician. Focus on the person you're communicating with, right? Um, we all have the friend in our life who, you know, is completely all about them and they're in a movie starring themselves, directed by themselves, written by themselves, right? And, and that gets old to be around. Don't do that same thing to your patient list. Focus on what they're going through, delivering valuable content and goodwill to them and ultimately getting reactivations that way. We'll talk about a little bit about how to do that the right way here later. Emailing inconsistently, um, no clear goal or call to action. Really the two biggest mistakes that we see are number one, only providing goodwill and never making an offer. So that would be the first mistake. The second mistake is only doing offers and never providing goodwill. The former, only providing goodwill, is the mistake that most of us make on this call. Just blindly, I, I know that to be true. Um, yeah, statistically speaking, 80 plus percent of us are doing that, right? Never a clear goal or call to action with our email campaign. We're just checking the box. Um, the other one is much more rare, but what can happen there if you're only providing offers and never goodwill is you, you burn your list out. In the first one, you, what happens is you do a lot of goodwill, but you're not sure what's working or not. So let's talk about what to do now that we went through the pitfalls. Um, decide on a cadence. At minimum, you should be doing it at least once a month. Uh, we have talked with owners that do three times a week. Uh, we've seen that work. Um, yeah, and this is PT practice owners, um, physical therapists that are emailing their list three times a week. But at minimum, that if, you, if you're emailing your list inconsistently, just start with once a month. You can always increase the frequency in the future. Always offer value. We lead with value in all of our email campaigns uh, that you're going to see here with very few or rare exceptions. Um, and then, yeah, you want to personalize the subject line automatically. We'll show you how to do that here in a second. The, the one question that we get commonly, and by the way, if you have a question, you can just type it in the Q&A tab, and we'll make sure we answer that here in a second. But um, a, a lot of owners will ask us, you know, how is the open rate so high? So there, there's a technical component of this. But um, ultimately, what you, you want to happen is you want to be able to nurture your list over time so that you're getting better and better open and response rates. So the industry standard is 20%. The open rates um, you know, that we'll see within our campaigns are 40% or higher. And there, there are both technical reasons for that, meaning we have our own servers, and another reason, which is everything is personalized. We minimize logos and images within our emails. Um, and we're not relying on, you know, like, for example, if I were on constant contact, I'd be sharing a server with a whole bunch of other practices that are likely spamming or emailing very frequently, right? Where we have really conservative care practice only servers. So what kinds of campaigns are working? Um, you want to have direct offers, you know, offer something very specific. We run uh, something called the GPE. So for years, um, between Thanksgiving and the end of the year, we just, we would experience this huge influx. I've shared this story many times, but in 2007, we lost $44,000 income minus expense in Q4. Um, and then 2009, two years later, we lost $99,000 in a single quarter, which was Q4 again. So we wrote this campaign um, and started running it in 2011, and we've run it every year since then. Uh, again, it's called the GPE. We promote the, a day of free screens to our patient list because it was the easiest place for us to stand out um, during the holidays is with our patient list. So we did that. Um, we just ran, uh, ran here recently. I know at our main office, I think um, in this next week leading up to Thanksgiving, so including today, Thursday through Wednesday, is how we measure. Um, we have 727 visits scheduled 
And I know our other offices are on waiting list and already, you know, above some have even uh, nearly reached their monthly goal in new patients already. Um, and that is all because we run this GPE campaign. You can also promote workshops or any other type of goodwill um, that you have. So at Breakthrough here, um, you can see some of the monthly campaigns that we have there. We, ha we have over 100 email campaigns that we've developed and tested uh, over the last six or seven years. So here's an example of a campaign that works. The big thing to take away here isn't the exact wording of the campaign. Um, again, you can see the open rate and the uh, click-through rate, basically the action that is taken on, on the this email in particular across our platform. But the big thing here, the most important thing to pay attention to is the copywriting formula. Because once you have this, you can use it time and time again as you're constructing your emails. Uh, so John Carlton, famous copywriter, uh, if you're a golfing fan, he wrote the ad about the, uh, the uh, one-arm golfer um, years ago, one of the most successful ads ever written. But it's basically, his formula is this. Here's what I've got for you. So here's what I've got. Here's what it will do for you, the benefit. And then here's how to get it, the specific call to action. And you'll see within literally the, you know, the, all of the email campaigns that we use, this is the most common formula that we're, we're utilizing. So here's what I've got for you. This is the goodwill, right? In this case, it's a blog post, top three exercises for lower back pain. Here's what it will do for you, right? Um, in this case, it's very, very simple. Again, this is how email is used. Simple communication reads from friend to friend. It's personalized. And here's how to get it. Click here to read it, right? So what we do here at Breakthrough is we deliver the goodwill. And then for those people who click through, in this case, 10.4%, one out of every 10 people click through, then we what do we know about John in this case? Well, he's interested in something about lower back pain, and we can follow up with him and ask him what's going on with your lower back. So we deliver the goodwill first, and then we follow up with the offer. Here's another one. Um, so type number one that we focus on is goodwill. This is type number two, which is, uh, you know, it's called the single question email. Again, I had briefly introduced Carl in the beginning of this. Um, Carl had sent, I believe at the time we met back in 2012, over hundred million emails in his career. So had done a ton of testing. And this is just a very simple one that can work. So, um, you know, have you experienced any shoulder pain in the last week? or some form of how are you doing, right? So you're gonna get some responses there. Um, we, and I'll be sharing uh, some of that with you here. So the first time that we ever sent this on behalf of my practice, um, I walk, it, we went out on a Saturday morning. I'm not sure why we did that. Uh, it's usually Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday morning is what we'll typically do, but we sent it out on a Saturday. I walked in on Monday morning into the office and our receptionist said, uh, you need to turn that off. And I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> and they said, whatever you did, um, we we can't keep up. And I said, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Tell me what you're talking about. I didn't know the email had gone out. And they said, you know, we have like 216 responses already. And this is like a Monday morning at maybe nine o'clock, 830, nine o'clock. And they said, y we can't keep up with responding to all these people. So we figured out how to do that the right way. But that's how effective this can be um, when you're mailing out the single question email. Here's some examples. Um, and yeah, the favorite one is uh, Christopher Roble up in the upper right hand corner. So sent this out live at one of our events, reported the next day what had happened in the first 24 hours. 64 responses had already scheduled two appointments. Nine more said they wanted to book and will call. Um, got. Uh, one patient that I referred to somebody else who was at the event, Marcy, um, scheduled two partner workshops or started the conversations there and also got two Google reviews all from sending out one email, that's six, that uh, single question email. So when we're talking about email and thinking through that, we, you know, ultimately in the end, we want to have a patient demand platform where we're marketing across uh, the entire spectrum. This is called a flywheel. And if you've read Jim Collins, Good to Great or Built to Last, he talks about this concept. And the idea 
behind a flywheel is that once you put the effort, that initial effort and energy into building the system, it takes very little energy to keep it going, um, keep the momentum going and keep the, the end product uh, flowing out. So in the beginning, we have attraction, upper left-hand corner. So attract, that's our advertising that we didn't talk much about here. And then also email campaigns. The result of those two things, ads and email campaigns, is we get people to raise their hands. In this case, we're focused on emails and getting people to raise their hand, getting getting a response out of that. The next thing that has to happen is conversion. So we need to take those email responders, those 216 people that responded to our email, and ultimately convert them over to a paying patient, a reactivation and the key there is when appropriate, right? So not everybody who responds to an ad or responds to an email is appropriate to come back in for care, but at least we can have that conversation and point them in the right direction about what would best help them out with the health challenge that they're having. Then underneath this all, we need to measure everything that is going on. So, you know, it, it and this is very tough to do. And just from experience, we used to keep track of everything in Excel spreadsheets or Google Sheets, nearly impossible. At one point, um, we had six different sheets going at the same time for our marketing crew, and we were losing a lot of uh, valuable data, wasting a lot of time tracking everything. So um, yeah, and thinking about your, your strategy for the year, you know, you want to use direct response focus on a very specific action. You want to make sure it's patient-centric and you want to send out one to two campaigns per month. What we do is we ramp up our frequency <clears throat> during our slow season, right before our slow season, so that we have plenty of patient reactivations coming through to compensate for the dip that we might be experiencing from uh, people converting from cold traffic or direct access patients coming through or um, physician referrals if you're if you're in that situation. And you know, pre-written campaigns within the breakthrough system and the patient demand platform that we have, the online software, there are literally um, dozens of different, there's over a hundred, I know, um, dozens of different campaigns that you can go through and schedule. So frequently what we'll do is when we work with an owner, we'll have them schedule out the full year. It takes about 10 minutes to do where they just go through, click and schedule, and then it runs automatically out to their entire list. Um, again, I, I shared Christopher Robles' story. Here's another story. Jordan Williams recently sent out uh, his first campaign. One email had 60 responses. Um, when we interviewed Jordan, he had four plans of care converted over so far already. And that meant $6,000 in revenue for his practice. Another one of my favorite stories here is Justin. Uh, Justin sent out uh, about 500 emails, um, had 60 plus responses. And the key was, is we were on an implementation call. So Justin was new to the platform, was learning how to use the platform, sent out his first email two hours before this call. And I said, hey, how's it going? He said, surprisingly well. And I said, oh, what, what's going on? He had 60 people respond um, by that point, so two hours after. And from that, he had booked nine plans of care. So pretty powerful. And the, the key thing that happens for us is remember, like with the current healthcare environment, the anemic amount of dollars that are going to our services um, and you know the blame that is put on uh, physical therapy and conservative care in general uh, and, and the blame for the out-of-control healthcare costs. And by the way, we're not to blame, right? We're actually the best outcome per dollar, uh, especially when compared to medications, injections, and surgery. What happens for the owner is they realize, oh, I am valuable, right? And it's, it's awesome to see, awesome to work with, where they feel respected. They, they're using email in the right way. They're getting responses from their patient list, and those patients are being reactivated, coming back in for additional care. What questions do you have regarding email? You can type it in the chat or in the Q&A and we can, I'll be happy to answer those for you. Hey Chad, this is Andrea. Um, one question that comes up a lot is around list segment segmentation. So if you have a patient list, 
Do you recommend segmenting that list and sending different emails to different groups, or do you send the same emails to everybody? Well, yes and no. So if an owner hasn't sent anything to their list, it, it, it's too much. It's too complex. I, I wouldn't segment. However, once they're up and running, we do segment based on where the person is at, right? So if somebody, let's say, responded to an ad, they're, yeah. Um, you talked about quite a bit about patient reactivations and how you use email, for instance, a single question email to do that. Um, you also mentioned email can be used for word of mouth referrals. Um, how can you talk a little bit more about how you would do that? How would I use email for word of mouth referrals? Mm -hmm. Um, we, so, okay. Corey said this the best, you know, with, with email, we can drive top of mind. So let me just start with the single best way to ask for referrals is not directly via email. We don't do that. We've never done that. We deliver valuable goodwill to our list, which puts us at top of mind, which results in more word of mouth referrals, but we never directly ask for a word of mouth referral. The best way to do that is when we're working with somebody um, with with an active patient and they share a win. At that point, whether it's our um, marketing team during a patient interview or one of our clinicians, so Andrea, you're coming in for your back pain and you share, you know, I just went, uh, what's your activity? I, I just went paddle boarding or surfing for the first time in a year, right? And you share that win. The right thing to do is address the, the word of mouth referral exactly then. And I'll say, you know, Andrea, that's great. So I would recognize and acknowledge that, you know, you put a lot of work in here uh, within therapy. You're, I can tell you're doing your exercises at home. You're working really hard. Awesome. Probably give you a high five or some other cheesy thing like that, that we do as physical therapists, but recognize and acknowledge you celebrate your win. The follow-up that I would do is Andrea, you know, there are other people out there just like you suffering with back pain um, that can't surf, that can't paddleboard. Who do you know that is suffering with back pain that needs our help as well? And you say, who do you know with back pain? Uh, my mom. Your mom? Does your mom really have back pain? No, she's pretty healthy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. So, uh, but typically you'll name somebody just like you did. So thanks for playing along there. And then I would follow up with what's the best way for us to get your mom the, the help that she needs for her back. And you would say something like, when are you going to talk to her again? Or, you know, I see her tomorrow and I can mention it. Or do you have a card, like a referral card or something like that? Right. So we have found that nothing beats that. And we don't try to. Uh, so when we tried to put in asking for word of mouth referrals via email, um, what happens is we slacked off tremendously in the clinic and in, in our patient interviews. So we don't try to supplant that. We realize it's best on live and it's best on, you know, human to human. Um, we don't try to scale referrals across the board. Asking for word of mouth referral. That makes a lot of sense. Thanks. That was the first time for that question. That was a good one. Yeah, sorry. That was a, a caught you out of the blue there. Yeah. Uh, we have a question. Um, it's, they asked, if our email list is cold, do you recommend starting your campaign with a higher proportion of goodwill and value added emails versus offers? If so, for how long um, or how long are you relying on these goodwill emails? Yeah. So from, from, from a lot of testing, um, we, oh, I'm blanking on the name of it. Um, we either call it, it's something to do with a clean list. Oh, I, that's escaping me right now. Um, but there is an initial, so for a list that is completely cold, there is a list, there is an email that we send out that basically lets your list know you're going to be getting more email from us. Um, and it, it's a very positive thing. We've seen responses and conversions simply from that. I think it's called a list cleanup email. Um, so we'll do that. We'll send that out. And then we put them into the cycle of delivering valuable goodwill. Exactly as we said, but it's a, it's a single email. 
And that's enough of a ramp to um, start the process of warming up a list and beginning to nurturing it again and uh, getting conversions from it. Cool. Um, Corey dropped a question or comment in the chat. He said, you said something about not sending emails to active patients you're now treating. Our list is all patients, not just selective. Yeah, so um, it depends on the the email tool that you have. But I mean, think of if I'm coming through and seeing you, Corey, for my shoulder and you sent out a question asking me how I was doing with my shoulder and I just came in for treatment today and saw you, that, that would be a little awkward. So we just have a, a simple way of suppressing active patients within our email campaigns. Um, so they're not getting, you know, too much communication from us the, and communication that doesn't make sense from the patient's perspective. So while somebody's coming through as a patient, they're receiving communication about um, how's your physical therapy going? How are you doing with your home exercise? Is there anything else bothering you? Asking them for a Google review if they're doing well, et cetera. So we just, um, yeah, within the, our, the system here at Breakthrough, we can suppress that so that we're not getting that, um, not inappropriate communication, but it, you get what I'm trying to say there. All right, a couple more questions just came through. From Susan, Chad, you touched on how the New Year GPE can help during the holiday season and the decline in patient lists. This is where we see a fairly significant decrease in our patient list. How has this event brought in more money than what you're losing? Do you find that it creates more plan of cares? Yeah, yeah. So 2011, first year we ever ran it. And uh, just full transparency, we do uh, direct mail, consistent direct mail to our patient list and complement that, <clears throat> bolster it with the email list. So we're, and we just find that anytime you're using multiple media types to communicate, whether it's email, texting, uh, direct mail, phone call, whatever, the second you add that second media type in, you get a better result. So um, we just hosted an event here uh, November. I don't even know what day, date I'm on. Uh, nonetheless, one or two Tuesdays ago. And uh, so we do a, a day of free exam celebrating, I think it was 19 years in business, 19 years in practice. And um, we, so at our main office here, we had 60 possible appointments. I think we had uh, 38 people come in for our free exam day, for lack of a better term. And what it does is it creates this huge backlog of new patients uh, and new plans of care for us to get in. So that's why we have this huge influx. We do that at all of our offices, um, even the newer de novos. So Hershey that we just opened up, obviously it's a significantly smaller list, but it creates this backlog of new patients. We have a very specific offer that we're making. And again, we rarely lead with an offer, um, but we'll do that right now. And again, in all of our offices, we, we had a, an influx of new patients from our past patient list, a lot of reactivations. Um, and, and so, again, we've been running that promotion since 2011. Um, is it enough to mitigate the $99,000 loss? Yes. In 2011, so what we noticed um, as we were doing our earnings before we put in the GPE, we were essentially working for nine months out of the year um in 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 the black meaning we were profitable and then we were just wiping out all that profitability in the fourth quarter it was very frustrating to go through so i know the first year that we did it i i wish i knew the exact numbers but um we went from basically uh losing money in the fourth quarter repeatedly like i had talked about to it became our most profitable quarter because we had this huge influx of patients and we knew how to control it better the right thing uh, to think about if you're running a GPE would be how many more new patients do I need? And then what, what do we need to do to stay consistent throughout the slow season? We have other training on that, but that's that's the idea of what we're doing. Just let me know, Susan, if that helps at all. Um, Chad, we have a few more questions. Um, Jim is asking, he's interested in doing a free screening day next week. 
Um, and next week is since Thanksgiving is next week, and I'd like to do a free screening day next week. What would your what would your suggested subject line be? Uh, too late, Jim. It, it won't happen in a week. Um, I don't know how to run that. We have a, a six week ramp time for our events. Again, the right way to do it is this: you start with um, the picking the date. Should be at least six to eight weeks in advance. You then work backwards and say, okay, I'm hosting this event. What do I need to do to fill that event, right? And then you work backwards. So if you're hosting an event, I mean, in that case, if if you're really doing that and you are you have the free screening day next week and that's blocked out, I would be emailing your list constantly. And uh, the, the key thing in a free screening day is not the name, but it's the reason that you're celebrating. So I'm um, just, I'm worried about that. It, it, so it's too short. It, it's a tough lift because it's the week of Thanksgiving. Yeah, I, I don't know if you can do it in that short of time. You'd have to have a super responsive list. Wow. I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that for you. It, it's it's yeah without the time and you have like no testing or anything like that um we'll so reach out to jim i think he put he um he wanted to be in contacted so we can reach out and discuss yeah the the other thing jim is you can what we've done already is we've used the single question email so it's like first name jim quick question for you right that's your, your subject line and then it's uh Hey, Jim, looking, uh, you know, we're doing research leading up to Thanksgiving. Within the last 30 days, have you had pain anywhere? Whatever your specialty is that you're looking to drive for diagnosis, I would go with a single question email. Hopefully you get a lot of responses and then fill in a day. Um, yeah, driving right to an appointment. Something like that could work. But wow, that's, uh, that's tough to do for the GPE or that free exam day. Thanks, John. Um, Corey asked, due to Medicare law and compliance, we cannot give free exams to any Medicare patients, nor can we give a gift over $15. Is this the same in other states besides Florida? Yeah, so huge disclaimer always is know your practice act and know what you can do um, with Medicare. So the, the right way is um, what we did is we contacted Paul Welk who's basically the attorney for physical therapist, um, has been doing this for a long time, Tucker and Arnsberg. You can just Google him. Uh, it's Paul Welk is W-E-L-K. We had him define exactly what, so this is not a free initial examination, right? So this isn't a 97161, 162, or 163 that creates a lot of problems with Medicare. And what we did with Paul is we just worked out with him and defined exactly what a, an assessment is. We're, with most of our practice acts, we're allowed to do screenings, right? We, If we have any relationships with any high schools or professional teams or anything like that, soccer clubs, so forth, we're allowed to do screenings. You want to clearly define what it is that you're offering. Um, it is not a free treatment. It is not a free initial exam that you would be billing, typically billing the insurance company for. But that great point there, Corey. Cool. All right. This is going to be our last question. Um, it's a good one from Stephen. What's a good campaign to get a newly hired clinician busy? A free screen, a workshop, or something else? Okay. Great question. Um, what we do is we get you busy. <laughs> like So if, uh, if one of our directors is bringing on a new therapist, what we will do is we will use past patient reactivations to get the existing clinician busy. And then the overflow goes to um, the new hire. And we do this time and time again. So we have used this uh, very well. So in the last three years, we've opened four de novos. Um, each one of them within the first 90 days went from zero to 100 visits a week. And then within 12 months, went from zero to 200 visits a week. And every time that we bring a clinician on, we'll do a promotion to the patient list. 
um, usually something around a GPE. We get everybody, the existing clinicians busy. And then what happens is any physician referrals that come through or anybody from the workshops or whatever, they'll see um, the new hire. But good question, Stephen. Awesome. Well, thanks, Chad, for this great presentation and all of your um, awesome insights. And thank you, everyone, for your great questions and participation. We really appreciate it and hope you have a great rest of your week. Always a pleasure. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Hi, listeners. I think I might have something that you're interested in. If you are a listener of this podcast, I'm assuming that you're an owner or an aspiring practice owner. And my question for you is, what's the most pressing thing that you're wondering about in growing your practice? So essentially, if you could ask me any question, what would that be? You know, is it something around personnel? Like, you know, how do I handle when team members ask for a raise? Is it something around marketing? Like, should I be advertising on TikTok? Or how often should I be emailing my past patients? Is it something in finance or practice growth? Well, if you have a question, wouldn't it be great you can get an immediate answer from me to your question. And I think I have something that you might be interested in. If that does fit the case for you, I uh, might be able to help you out. I'm hosting a live Q&A session for private practice owners, and you'll be able to hop on the call and uh, unmute yourself, have your camera on if you prefer, and ask me any question that you might have related to practice growth. Absolutely nothing is out of bounds. And uh, the the deal is you just need to register for the call. I think we have a limitation on how many people can get in. Um, we are, this is something new that we're launching uh, specifically to the Grow Your Practice podcast, but you do need to register. So there's likely a link um, here or in the uh, getbreakthrough.com page. So you can go there or look in the show notes here for the link, but you do need to register for the next live Q&A session. So what's your most pressing question? You make, make sure that you write that down. What's stopping you from growing your practice and the way that you want to grow it? And then join me in the next live Q&A session, and we'll make sure that you get your questions answered. Remember to visit getbreakthrough.com to access our free resource library designed specifically for private practice growth. While you're there, make sure you register for a complimentary growth assessment to learn about potential opportunities for growth in your local market. Again, thank you for tuning into the Grow Your Practice podcast and supporting our mission to help people in pain get back to normal naturally.